and welcome to episode 10 of Rock Talk for Industrial Components. My name is Bill Martin. And I'm Paul Seib. Hey, Bill, you know what? We, we've been doing these shout outs. So yeah. before we get started on this episode, because I know I, I have a feeling I know the first question that you're going to ask me is, hey, what's the topic? So just before you do that and then I then I go off on a tangent, I'm going to go off on a tangent before you ask me the first question. And, and we wanted to shout out to... Uh, Tom Hopkins. Yeah, he's a safety sensing and IC specialist up in Maine, I think, for Horizon yeah, Solutions. Maine. So, hey, Tom, thank you. We got all your ideas. I think he had too much coffee on a Friday because he sent in one idea and then he just rattled off like four more right after. <laughs> right. So, they were all excellent. Yeah. Yeah, they were great. And Tom, we we thanks for listening. Appreciate all your suggestions. And I'm pretty sure you're going to see one of your topics coming up here in uh, – one of the next few episodes. So thank you. Keep the uh, suggestions coming. Well, speaking of ideas, uh, Paul, so so what is today's topic? I knew it. You're getting to be predictable. It's, <laughs> I know. And we're at episode 10. We've done 10 of these. This is, this wow. is uh, yeah. going along pretty well here. Um, today's topic, believe it or not, is get a handle on your disconnects. Oh, that, that sounds great. You know, actually, um. I, I'm responsible for the the disconnect products at at Rockwell Automation, I and mean, I I took it over back in March. Um, I actually I didn't realize how many different types of disconnect products that we uh, that we offer. Um, actually, I was uh, overwhelmed with the, the selections that were there. Do, do you know a lot about disconnects, Paul? <laughs> I hate when you ask me that question because because then I have to you know kind of admit that I don't I don't know probably nearly as much as I should. Bill. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I definitely uh, I should probably know more as well. Um, so you know, how, how does one know which disconnect to use? I mean, we got a bunch of them. Um, so yeah, how, how are we going to address that? Yeah, and since I don't know anything, as we usually do, we we bring in uh, we bring in an expert. So today we have Scott Casal here with us. Scott, thanks for joining us, and uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hi. Yeah, my name is uh, Scott Castle. I've been with the Industrial Controls Tech Support Group at Rockwell for uh, a little over 17 years. I've been dealing with disconnect switches, um, all the different uh, forms, you know, from uh, dealing with applications and um, all kind of user questions on them. So, uh, you know, I look at it like every panel is going to have either a breaker or disconnect in it. So there's a lot of questions on on disconnects. So, Scott, if uh, somebody calls into tech support, wanting some, or needing some answers for some questions regarding disconnects, odds are they'll probably talk to you, huh? Oh, there's a good chance. Me or one of my uh, coworkers and in our group, I'm what's considered the product support coordinator, which is the person who is kind of the go-to person in the department that works closely with uh, the marketing and engineering departments. And um, a lot of the, the stuff will filter through me. So uh, I kind of get a a handle on what's going on uh, a little bit more than the average person and different people in our group support different products as kind of a, a primary product. So yeah, I've had a lot of exposure to the disconnects and have known a lot of great people over the years and engineers and marketing people. So uh, it's a product I really en enjoy working with. Ah, oh, great. So Paul, we, we kind of got the guy here, man. <laughs> He's the guy. So I know if I got to call tech support for a question on this, I'm, I'm asking for Scott. <laughs> exactly. All right, Scott. Well, I know we've got a lot of different types of disconnects to, to cover. Um, and um, rumor has it that uh, both, both you and I kind of like uh, beverages made out of uh, malted barley. 
And yeah. I, and I think yeah, Zima, um, isn't it Zima? I intro Zima. Well, I guess day? that's one. I prefer my <laughs> top with the Jolly Rancher. <laughs> and I think uh, Paul prefers malted beverages that are distilled, as I recall. Um, so I was thinking for a conversation here, um, as we talk about the different types of disconnects, maybe we could explain where in maybe a, a brewery one would find all these different types of, of disconnect switches. Does that sound okay to you? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting interesting. I can I kind of relate it. to that. So All right. Yeah, great. <laughs> all right. So let's start with the most simplest type of, of disconnect. You know, it's a it's a control and load switch. You know, for us it's the Bolton 194L and sometimes easier referred to as uh, cam switches. So Scott, what what is this cam switch or control and load switch and, and where would a customer use it in a brewery? Well I kind of look at a, a cam switch as being a a, a beefed up uh, selector switch, you know, like you'd see, you know, people are familiar with the A&T selector switches, for example, um, to turn things on and off, um, direct currents, but they're limited as far as the amount of current they can carry, um, you know, uh, typically like an on off or maybe a three position selector switch, something like that. Um, not a lot of variety of functions, just mainly a, a switch. Whereas you get the cam switches, we got a lot of different versions. We got on off, changeover, Star Delta, uh, reversing, ammeter, voltmeter, and step switches. So we got quite a few flavors of the the cam switches. Um, you know, on off, pretty straightforward. With with those do changeover. That's if you want to switch. You know, you have uh, one power source coming in two different motors. You can change over between motor A and motor B. Um, star Delta for some of the Star Delta type motors, reversing, um, step switch. That's another interesting one that. You could have one feet coming in, say, six different motors, and you could direct it to one of uh, six. So there's a, there are a lot of different um, knee configurations, and, and we have them uh, starting at 12 amps, 16, 20, 25, 32, and up to 40 amp um, in most of those switches. And they're uh, inductive load-rated switches. You know, we can get handles for them, you know, NEMA 112 handles. They're IP20 finger-safe terminals on them. Uh, we have pole configurations of from one to six poles on a lot of them. We also have a uh, base or DIN rail mounted versions where, you know, base mount being in the back of the panel, Santa DIN rail or, or screwed directly to the panel or your front mount where that's going to be right behind the door uh, on the panel, similar to what the NRT uh, types of switches would be. So you don't have to use up any real estate on the, uh, the back plate if it's something um, that'll work on the door for you. And then there's a couple enclosures that we can also uh, provide to put those switches in for little standalone applications. Cool. So, no. So, where, where in a brewery would you think you'd use a cam switch or control and load switch? Well, the the on off stuff is is pretty straightforward. But say you got you know uh, two different uh, tanks and you're going to be running one tank versus the other. A changeover switch would be a perfect example of saying, okay, I'm gonna uh, I want to run uh, the, like the batch in tank A to pump through. Yeah, to, to say flush out uh, tank A. Um, that's all done. Now I want to change over to the the flush, you know, cycle on, on B. So you're using one switch, but you're controlling different locations, different motors or different applications. So changeover is a pretty common one or, or say like the step switch, you know, for example, you could have uh, multiple uh, different feeds on something where, you know, one through six, for example, and um, to power different lines or, or uh, for packaging or, or just even lights, you could have um, six different lights hooked up to a, 
a step switch and the different lights would tell you at what stage or what part of the process everybody knows okay we're we're gonna go from bottling to canning now and you could just flip the switch and the lights go on everybody knows okay we're we're switching over you know to a, a different part of the process so a lot of a lot of neat different things to do and the fact that they have the higher current ratings and they have inductive load ratings on them gives them a lot more versatility than your your typical you know uh, selector switch you know control type switches that are more for a control circuit these can be for a control circuit or they can actually be for uh, small power circuits yeah bill you got to move your warts sometimes you know that makes yeah. sense yep you do so scott you said one to six pull i mean i i know what three pull is what can you explain more what is a pull and why we would go up to six pull yeah think of a pull as like um, an individual circuit you know like if you had a, a typical like an energy selector switch they'd say well i got a, a three i need three circuits you know so you'd have a you know contact blocks with a total of three circuits well a pole is is the same thing it's like a circuit but a pole you know is usually talked about like in breakers and disconnects and things that are going to be switching more of a, a power type load versus a control load so um it's each one's are individual circuits these are a cam switch and when they uh, are put together at the factory you're kind of like stacking levels together and depending on how many levels you have, you know, how many of these poles you have determines how long the, the cam that's going to drive these are. And, and so a lot of them will have versions of, you know, one through six. So, you know, you might just need an on off switch for a single phase, which is, um, you know, one circuit on it, but say you might want to turn on four fans at the same time, four single phase fans. So you could get a four pole and now you could turn on all four fans at the same time with one switch. No, that makes sense because, yeah, I think single phase, three phase, you need one pull or three pulls. So multiple loads off of the same device makes a lot more sense to me. So thanks. Um, hey, let's let's talk about load switches. What's the difference? So we've been we've been kind of going through cam switches here. We're going to talk about load switches. Where where would a customer use that? What are the different applications? Yeah, with a load switch, you know, you think of a load switch more as uh, like an amp motor disconnect. You know, they're um, suitable for you know use at a, a UL 508 application to where you want to have that switch you could use that switch to actually turn a motor on and off you know it's not like a starter because it doesn't give you any overload protection or anything like that but uh, you could actually turn a motor on and off with it a lot of people will put these ahead of um, uh, some of their branch circuits where you want to have isolation uh, to one of the loads um, that's a good place to use these um, you can have handles that can be locked out and um, stuff like that. They're typically going to be used for, you know, on-off or maybe uh, changeover type applications. The 194 um, uh, E's uh, do not have all the flavors that the 194 L does. The L being a cam switch and kind of like a, a selector type switch. There's a lot more switching angles and uh, pole variations and stuff like that. The 194 L is pretty much, you know, mostly a three or a six pole. Uh, version, you know, a six pole being, say you want to turn on two three phase motors with the same switch. So you have one handle and one switch that controls uh, both of the three phase motors. Um, we have those uh, from 16 amps all the way up, you know, 16, 25, 32, 40, 63, 80, and 100 amp, um, three and six poles. Uh, we have the, you know, IP66 uh, and then the UL13, 3R12 operating handles for those. They're uh, IP20, um, 2LX finger safe on the terminals. 
Uh, you've got some accessories you can add to these also. You know, you can get a three or a six pole switch. We also have um, a fourth pole adder. So you could actually add uh, an additional pole to each, uh, each switch. So if you had a three pole switch, you could put one on each side and have a five pole switch. Or if you had a six pole switch, you could put one on each side and have an eight pole switch. So you have quite a bit of uh, versatility with these as far as the number of poles and what you can do. These also come in a, a front and a, a base mount type installation like the 194Ls did. So again, you can put it on the back plate or you can have it right up uh, on the door. Um, we do offer a number of different versions of these that are um, yeah, enclosed in a, a number of different kind of enclosures from stainless steel to plastic to just, you know, your regular painted metal. So if you're looking for a, a standalone uh, load switch that you can put near a piece of equipment, you know, say if you've got a, an MCC, you know, feeding an application and it's, you know, the motor's quite a ways from the MCC, um, but you want to be able to isolate that motor locally, you could have one of these switches in the enclosure right there uh, at the application to now turn it off. So if somebody has to do some troubleshooting on that, uh, on that motor load, you don't have to worry about if the, uh, the MCC is in its... Uh, proper state uh, and it's locked out you can actually turn off the power and then uh, lock it out right there at the application do what you need to do and then you know it just gives you a lot better uh, safety for the lockout tagle when it's right there where you can see it so it seems like there's a little bit of maybe functionality overlap between the load switches and the uh, the cam switches um yeah yeah where would yeah there is there so would these be used more for um, like when the, the current load is, uh, I guess, larger and it's probably primarily used for, um, I guess, feed power or, or motors? Is that where you'd use a, a load switch at then? Well, yeah, I, you know, the load switches, you kind of think of the load switches more for control circuits, but with the ability to do some some power loads, whereas the 194Es, you're looking uh, pretty much strictly at a at a power load. You know, okay. going going to a motor. So control and load on the L versus strictly just load on the uh, 194Es. So in a in a brewery, I guess I was kind of imagining maybe you'd use a 194E, the the load switch, maybe um close by where a motor is located at for a, like an auger that's going to move the malted barley up into the uh, to the grain crusher. Um, right. Yep. So that's a, that's a good analogy. And say someone's going to clean that auger, which I'm sure is done. Oh yeah daily on that so when you have your maintenance people come through and they're going to be working on this auger and it's being controlled from uh, uh could be an mcc or some bigger panel someplace else um could be even be in a control room well when you're working on that um from a safety standpoint i'd be much more comfortable being able to go up to that auger and head of that motor have a load switch there where i can turn that load switch off put up to three padlocks on it you know lock out tag out and then do the work on that and feel very uh, comfortable that I'm working in a safe condition versus not knowing if somebody could accidentally turn something on while I'm actually working on it. Yeah, yeah, because we need you to keep answering phone calls for us for uh, disconnect that's, questions. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so that's the load switch. So now there's a thing called a, a rotary disconnect switch. I know we, we kind of sell two versions. There's the 194U and the 194R family. So what are these? Well, you know, these are um, uh, a UL uh, uh, 98 rated switch. You know, they're your your main uh, disconnect feeding a, uh, a panel. Like we had talked about uh, earlier, every panel is going to have uh, some type of disconnect switch or circuit breaker. Uh, these are geared more as your, your feeder device that's um, 
controlling the power to the whole panel. So normally you'd walk up to a panel and you're going to see uh, either a rotary handle on the front of the door or maybe a flange handle on the side. And you know that's the one that's going to control your main power feed into the whole panel. So before you open the door on a panel, typically you're going to go to that uh, rotary handle or flange handle, turn that off, um, put a lock on it. And so if you're going to be working in there, you know that the whole panel now is uh, uh, powered down from anything below that that switch. And then rotary, um, the difference between a rotary, a lot of people are familiar with a flange operated where you walk up to a this MCC bucket or a panel and you got the handle on the side that you, you throw up or down to turn the panel on or off. Uh, a lot of times people want to put that switch in a different, you know, could be in the middle of the panel or up in a corner or something and have the handle on the front of the uh, enclosure door. So a different way of connecting it. The As you rotary, do the rotary motion on the handle, that activates the switch on and off versus the uh, flange type where it's, you're throwing it up and down and uh, moving uh, the blades open or closed. So in these, obviously, you're going to have, because they are the um, disconnects that feed the panel, you're going to have much higher current ratings uh, than you would with the 194Ls and 194Es. Um, in the 194R uh, versions of the switches, you have um, switches that will go... Uh, well, we'll go back to the U's actually first. That's a little bit the smaller version of it. Okay. Those will go from, in UL applications, from 30 to 125 amps, and IEC applications from 40 to 60. These are all going to be uh, the non-fuse versions. Um, they're finger-safe uh, design on them. Uh, you have front or side uh, operation on those. Um, we have the NFPA 79 uh, compliant handle options on that, which you can talk a little bit about. There's three and four-pole versions, um, front or base mount. You know, we've got the high fault ratings on those up to 200K, you know, with fuses ahead of them because they are a non-fused switch. So you have to have some protection ahead of the switch, but it's a great isolation device for uh, heavy loads uh, to be used in the high fault applications. Um, and we have some like 140F uh, fuse blocks and 1492FB style products that will hold fuses for like some of the 30 and 60 amp applications to put those fuses ahead of them if you need them. And then uh, we did mention here briefly a little bit about the NFPA 79 compliant handles. Um, a lot of times uh, someone wants to uh, work on a panel where there's power on the panel, even though they have the door open. So you have kind of two ways to do that. You can actually have a panel that's on and you can actually uh, defeat the handle. There's a defeater uh, mechanism available in a number of the handles we offer that you could actually say with a screwdriver, turn in a little screw, you can actually release that uh, handle, disengage it from the, the door interlock and open the door up with the power still on. Say if you wanted to troubleshoot and you had some faults going on, you wanted to see what lights are flashing, uh, you can do that. Um, also, there's times when you're going to be working on a panel and you're going to uh, be wanting to turn the power on and off as you're troubleshooting. Well, once you open the door, your handle is, if it's a rotary handle, is going to be swung out of the way on the door. Well, now you just have the shaft sticking out of the switch. The last thing you want to do is be taking a, a metal crescent wrench or something, grabbing that shaft and turning it on and off. And then all of a sudden you bump something you're not supposed to, or you drop the wrench and now you got an arc flash. So uh, the NFP 79 handle incorporates an additional internal handle that's part of the shaft itself. So if you have the door open, you have a secondary handle in the enclosure that um, you can take. You actually grab the handle. You don't need any tools because the handle is actually there, which is 
one of the three requirements of NFP 79 is no tools required. So we have a nice plastic handle you grab on. Then there's deliberate action, which means you you have to do something with that handle to make it work. You can't just bump it and turn it on. You actually pull it out and engage a clutch in the handle. So now your deliberate action pulls it out. Now it's actually mechanically engaged to that shaft, and you can turn the switch uh, on and off. And then the third component of NFP 79 is you have to have a provision for lockout right on the switch itself. And so we make lockout attachments and stuff like that. So when you do have the door open and you're working on it, um, since the handle now is not there to be locked out on the outside of the door like you normally would, you can provide a padlock um, accessory on the switch and lock it out there. So it's all about all about safety. You want to keep people safe and give them the options to work in a safe environment. Maybe, maybe we should have called this get a handle on your handle on your disconnect. <laughs> get, so a handle, I like, get a handle on your shaft. Get a handle on your <laughs> handle on your shaft. Right, yeah. there you go. <laughs> the, so, um, so, uh, so I'm thinking in a brewery, a 194U, this might be a good thing to put on like a, a small piece of machinery, maybe, um, you know, maybe like a, a cartoner, right? You're putting your can, your 12 cans into a carton. Those machines are relatively small. And yeah, so they, and... Yeah, and the 194U is, um, what's nice about that is you're able to uh, front mount that, front mount being right against the back of the door. So if you have a a small panel, you don't have a lot of real estate in it, um, you can actually have that switch right behind the door. So when you open it up, the switch stays with the door. So for certain applications where uh, space is at a premium, you know, you got a panel that has to fit in a very small area, you got a long uh, line going there, bottling line or something like that, that gives you the ability to... uh, to front mount that, whereas the 194Rs, you know, the bigger ones like that, um, those are all uh, either a base mount, base slash DIN mount, uh, and there's a few of them that have some side uh, uh, mount or application um, uh, ability. But uh, yeah, so the 194Us gives you a, a few things that the 194R does not. I think uh, for me, uh, I'm thinking the 194R can maybe be used like with uh, like a pasteurizer, right? That's a pretty big piece of machinery and uh it's controlling a a lot of motors in there controlling a lot of different things um yeah it's about how much you got you know what your what your loads downstream how big your feeder wires coming in how much current do you have to provide to that panel or that you know uh application and and so the 194rs those are the ones that uh for ul applications we have those from as small as 20 amps all the way up to 1200 amps um 1200 amps non-fused 800 amps fused and then on the IEC side, from uh, uh, 20 amps up to 1,250 amps. So we have a pretty good size range that are going to cover oh. the vast majority of the applications in fused and non-fused. And uh, so I guess it could be used to control like a whole bottling line, huh? Yeah, you could have one of these. That's that's your main shutoff for the whole, you know, bottoming bottling line. You, you got to have one primary switch if you want to shut the whole thing down. It's you know, again, you can never have too many switches in a in a system or a process that you can shut off at different points to uh, obviously for safety and for isolation of certain parts of the ad application. Scott, hey, um, you keep bringing up different switches and you keep saying fused and, and non-fused. What's what's the reason that that we have both types and how does a, how does someone know which one they need? Well, the fused and non-fused, you know, obviously when you have a fuse switch, that's your um, interrupting point is on that switch. There's only two ways to interrupt a a fault uh, if it were to occur on an application, and that's through either a fuse or a circuit breaker. Those are the only two devices that interrupt a fault. So 
Um, you're obviously going to have to have short circuit protection on every panel you have. So you're going to either need fuses or a breaker. And then the uh, fuses, you can have the fuses installed in a disconnect switch, say the 194R, for example. Um, and then your fuses are right there at the switch. And that's what's going to open up if you have a, a, a high fault uh, incident. Um, you can also get a non-fused version. Now, the non-fused version doesn't do any protecting for the load because you still need fuses, but you might have fuses upstream from this panel, from your MCC bucket or something like that, that actually is giving you protection, but now you want to use a non-fused close to the application for isolation again, but you need something that's maybe 600 amps because of the size of the, the load and the amount of current it has to carry. So now you, you wouldn't have another set of fuses right there at the application because you've already got the fuses upstream feeding that switch then you go with the non-fused be a little bit smaller uh, a little more cost effective but still gives that ability to use all the different handles and um, nfp handles lockable uh, handles and uh, isolate out again uh, a load or a portion of the process yeah that that makes sense uh, if you so if you have a disconnect and you want it to be close to the load and you don't have upstream protection that's when you use the fuse is that you got to have the fuses yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. your, your breakers and your disconnects you know your main feeder ones th their purpose is to protect the wire coming into that panel you know your wires are sized you know based on your loads and and um, the disconnect of your breaker is protecting those incoming wires you know and below that you're going to have your branches to your different motor loads and other components in the panel and and then you're going to have your branch protection uh, for those, which could be, again, it could be a, a smaller disconnect, uh, fuse block, um, uh, some type of breaker. There's so many different types of options that we have for those branch loads, but your main feeder disconnects are protecting your main incoming wires. And, you know, really you shouldn't ever have to blow a fuse on a, on a disconnect switch or triple breaker if you got everything else downstream sized and coordinated properly. Um, you should be catching a motor shorting out uh, at the device right above the motor, as opposed to having to get all the way back to the uh, breaker disconnect to, to trip or uh, blow a fuse. But in, in those cases where you could have some damage to the wire, you could get some moisture or something in someplace closer to the switch, um, then obviously that you could end up um, blowing the fuse at that point because it's it's happening much closer to the switch than at one of the smaller uh, downstream uh, branch circuits. Yep, that makes sense. Um, how about safety disconnect? What's what's that, and when when a customer uses that? I mean, all of these applications we're talking about involve really protection and, and some form of safety, but there's actually a safety rated disconnect. Yeah, and and that's a, a term that came up um, years ago. Um, an awful lot of our products were driven by the automotive industry, you know, because they were the biggest players out there. Uh, as far as manufacturing, you think about it, you know, when Ford developed the first, you know, automation plant to build cars, you know, they came up with a lot of different um, ideas for stuff and, and safety, you know, 100 years ago was still obviously important. And so someone said, well, I want to have a, a safety switch that I want to make sure that we're, we're disconnected from the load, that if we're going to work on it, that we have a safe condition. So you could say, well, you can just, you know, see if your handle's on or off. You know, in the case of like, say, the 1494H or 1494G, you know, those are um, 
disconnects in a box, you know, and they got a flange handle on the side that you turn up or down. Well, what if the connection means to that handle somehow weren't working properly or something broke and you thought the, the switch was off based on the handle position, but it really wasn't. So the idea of the safety disconnect was to have a switch with visible blades on it, the blades being the the mechanism or the moving parts inside the switch that engage with each other to pass the current along. So when you uh, turn the switch to the opposition, the blades separate and they create an air gap where the current can't flow anymore. Well, with a safety disconnect, you actually have uh, blades that you can see. Um, you would obviously have to have either a little viewing window in the enclosure if you wanted to look at it before you open up the door, or if you had the door open and turn the switch on or off, you could actually visibly see the state of the blades. You could see if the blades were connected to where they could be conducting uh, current, or they could be open, which means now you should have a safe condition. So that's where the term safety comes, because you could really say any disconnect switch is a quote-unquote safety switch, because if you turn it off, you know, you're creating a safe condition. But uh, uh, a safety switch, you know, when it has that name, usually involves a, a visible blade that gives you just another degree of uh, feeling secure about what you are what you have. So that's a distinctly different from machine safety directive. Um, when we talk about safety here, as we would normally talk about machine safety, and what the safety rating is. Yeah, this is, you know, these were around, these switches have been around for a, a lot longer than a lot of the quote unquote safety stuff that you think of now, you know, that as far as all the stuff we order th offer through our safety group, there's so many things that have been developed um, in the recent last decade or two to really enhance safety from, you know, safety mats to, uh, uh, light curtains to all kind of things that just add another whole degree of of safety, you know, trap keys and different kinds of interlocks. But this was, you know, back in the old days before we had all this fancy uh, stuff on safety PLCs and safety networks and sill levels and all that stuff. This just, you know, you have you have visible blades. You have a way to see actually inside the switch. You know, you didn't have a feedback circuit going to a PLC to tell you everything was was good. You physically looked at it, and so uh, back then this was. This was something that um, the customer wanted. We developed, and it, it really served the purpose. Still does. It's just we have a lot more things we can we can go even much more deeper now with the safety products we offer. Well, I know uh, when I did take over this product line, uh, I knew we had uh, a visible blade type of disconnect. The the fourteen ninety four U can I guess can you explain a little bit more um, about that yeah. one? Yeah, the 1494U, you know, we've got, um, again, we talked about the H's and the G's, which are some of the enclosed versions, and then we've got the uh, the 1494U. Now, if you're building a panel and you want to have a uh, main disconnect, again, to control your panel, uh, it can be a fused or non-fused uh, switch. These are um, a flange-operated switch versus you know, the handle that you're used to seeing flipping up and down, um, typically on the right side of your enclosure uh, flange, you know, as, as opposed to the 194Rs we talked about earlier, which are a rotary, you know, you're using a rotary motion to turn it on and off. These are a uh, handle operated and they have the blades that are opening and closing. And the 1494U, you know, um, this is the, uh, uh, another, the visible blade, you know, where you can see by looking at it, 
um, visibly if the blades are open or closed. You know, we have the like so the fusible, non-fusible versions, and we have these all the way up to um, uh, 600 amps in the uh, 1494U um, from 30 to 600 amps. We also have uh, a 1494V switch, which is very similar to the U, and that covers applications up to um, 800 amps. And these all have UL, CSA, C ratings, you know, all on the one uh, product line, which is nice. Kind of makes it a global product when you can uh, use it um, in multiple places around the world. And we can, you know, if you're going to use the flange handle, you typically have a rod connected to it. So the handle is connecting a um, uh, connected to a connecting rod, which then connects to the switch and turns the switch on and off. Um, what that does is um, wherever you locate the handle on the enclosure, say if it's on the right side flange, about halfway up the enclosure, your switch is pretty much going to be right behind that handle with the rod there connecting to it. Now, you might have an application where it's a big panel um, or you have um, your power coming in, say, at the top of the panel, and you want to have your switch way up in the upper portion of the panel because um, that's where your power wires come in, and you don't want to have all that wasted real estate by mounting the, the switch way down in the panel and just having a lot of real estate covered up by your power wires. Obviously, the shorter the amount of power wire in the panel, the more available space is left in the panel itself. So one way you can accomplish that, we talked about the rotary ones earlier where you can kind of put that switch any place you want and pop the handle, you know, uh, drill a hole right through the front of the door and have a shaft connect right to the switch that way. On the visible blade type or the 1494U style ones, um, how we accomplish that is with a um, flex cable operator. Um, so what you would do is you'd have the, the handle in the same place on the enclosure in your cutout, but now that handle is connected to a cable. And so you can put that switch any place you want in that um, panel, you know, in the uh, top, the bottom, right, left, wherever it works out best for you, but you're still controlling it from that same uh, handle on the side. So there is even a, a flex cable option for the 194R disconnects up to 200 amps. So some people, even though it's a rotary disconnect, some people want to have a flange handle to operate the rotary. So, and again, we make a lot of different solutions, um, a lot of options out there. So flex cables are a, uh, a nice option to have. I know I've seen a lot of these uh, disconnects, uh, some of the North American breweries that I've, I've toured. Mm -hmm. Whether it's controlling a piece of machinery or actually, like you said, a like a production line or a bottling line. Oh yeah, application yep. for these. And and breweries do get top priority on tech support. So if you call in, and you are from a brewery. We <laughs> hang up on everybody else, and we take your call. Exactly. <laughs> so pretend you're a brewery, even if you're not. <laughs> right. I have I have talked to a, a number of breweries personally from all kind of different applications. The ones we've talked about, even guys. Yeah, I remember one cooking cooking honey, you know, at 500 gallons at a time for a honey weiss. You know, it just it's really interesting to see all the different things that go into the different applications um, where our products are used. You just you really don't realize how many different things are are out there until people start calling and they tell you what it uh, it's being used for. It's it's really neat. That's the the neat part about doing what I do is. Uh, you actually hear about where the stuff is being used and how it's being used. Scott, we, well, we've covered a ton of topics here. Um, so for anyone listening that that's trying to figure out what they, what they should use, what, what, uh, what tools do we have available to them and how, how can they figure it out? Well, you know, the first thing, um, if you're real familiar with, you know, uh, 
our products but aren't sure exactly which one to choose. And we have ProposalWorks, which is our online configuration uh, tool you can get to by going to ab.com or rockwellautomation.com. And you can go in there and basically go down. It's like a question and answer type uh, format where, you know, how many amps do you want? What's your voltage? You know, how many poles? As you answer questions, it actually translates that into a a part number that can be uh, ordered. So that's a that's a great tool if you've never used it before. It'd be um, something to be familiar with. A free tool online. Um, we also uh, have your local distributors who are always your point of contact when it comes to ordering and price and availability. You know, plus they're really familiar with our products. And I always say, you know, a lot of times it's best to have a boots on the ground a person to talk to. You could be designing a panel or a system and you know, trying to describe a big piece of equipment over the phone or, you know, or even just looking at a drawing sometimes just doesn't give you the, the scope of being able to see it right there in front of you, what's going to work the best, you know, especially if you're maybe retrofitting some older equipment or replacing some obsolete equipment. A lot of times your local distributor can really be helpful to be there looking at it right with you and, and he'll have all the different you know, parts in the back of his head there, um, and can really help you out. So always call your distributor. And then again, once you get the the product or it can be pre-sales, post-sales, we can help you out with that. Your distributor can help you out with that. If your distributor has a question, they can call us. So we really have a, a, a good team here at, uh, Rockwell, um, for support, um, uh, whether it's pre-sales or post-sales real time, we do everything we can to, to help you out. Wow, Scott, this this is great. I, I, um, I think things clarify more clearly for me now. Um, Paul, do you have a handle on disconnects now? I I have a game plan. I wouldn't say I have a handle on. I, I don't have a handle on my disconnect. I think I have a handle on my cable that's on my disconnect. Is it rotary my, or a flange? It, it, I don't know, but I know how to get the answer. So that's that's my plan. Is I call Scott. I say I'm from a brewery and I, I'm going to get get the help i need so yeah, that's right i'll personally come over and help you <laughs> there will be a slight service charge of a, a beer or two but you know i work cheap i work for beer <laughs> i th- i think after this this topic i need a beer <laughs> oh that sounds good to me we've been talking about all these handles and stuff and i keep thinking tamper handles so i'm, I'm getting a little bit distracted here <laughs> go with the visible blade tapper handle yeah, there's a plate tapper. It's safer. Well, I know my beverage is starting to get warm, Scott. How about yours, Paul? <laughs> yep, I think we're we're wrapping this one up for sure. Scott, thank you so much. You're I, I'm gonna call you Scott Encyclopedia. It seemed like we asked you a question and, and you just kind of took over the show and and uh, just went down a, you know a litany of, of different options and, and use cases. So thank you so much for bringing your experience and knowledge. And uh, thanks for being a part of our podcast. Oh, it's, it's been great. Thanks a lot for asking me. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Yeah, it's been great. I, I learned a ton about disconnects. Okay. So, um, so Paul, what's going to be our, our next topic for the next episode? Glad you asked, Bill. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone's getting a theme here, but we've as we've talked about these last couple topics, and we bring up there's so many facets, right? And there's so many things and. We've gotten to the last two episodes. We get down to the end and it's like, okay, where do I go for more information or how do I figure out and maneuver through all this? Um, We're going to talk about Rockwell's hidden gem 
which was brought up in this podcast is ProposalWorks. It's a free online tool. And we're gonna dive into ProposalWorks and talk about that as a topic and just all the things that 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 has the capability to help. Oh, that sounds great. I can't, I'm looking forward to it. And and Scott, thank you again for uh, for being a guest today on on today's show. Great, It it was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, keep the ideas coming. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Apple Podcasts. So look forward to talking to you on a future episode. See you next time, Paul. Until then, Bill. <laughs>